Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sports, Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you, when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 139 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Midweek, hump day Wednesday. Or I guess coming off a long weekend, so it's not really midweek. Well, you know, I hope everybody had a good long weekend, though. And uh, I hope your, hope your work week, your shortened work week is going well. You've managed to avoid the office pitfalls. You have Martha talking about the boil on her cat's ass, and no one stole your pudding out of the fridge despite it being marked, and all that sort of stuff. Or did Jerry come back from the lake and decide to cook fish in the microwave? That's always a hot start. We used to have a guy, I worked with a guy, used to do that all the time. I, I, oh, 
that has to be the grossest smell. I'm not a big fish guy to begin with, but man, when your entire lunchroom smells like that, uh, even after years of working in garbage, I still didn't appreciate that smell. But what are we talking about today? Well, kind of gonna kind of do a flashback type of episode. I'm gonna I'm jumping on the train, the Danbury Trashers train that everybody is talking about. That has hit this week after the Netflix release of the documentary, uh, Crime and Penalties. Um, if you have not yet checked it out, hit up Netflix. It is a documentary on the 2004 Danbury Treasure team. And um, it's quite the, uh, quite the show. Um, it's actually really cool to see, to see everybody kind of getting involved in it and, and all that and excited about it. Um, I had numerous people like, hey, have you ever heard of this before? And I was like, heard of this before? I lived through this, man. This is, uh, I, yeah, I was right there every step of the way when it was actually happening back in 2004. Is that hard to believe? That's like 17 years ago. Isn't that wild? Um, no, I have like an original long sleeve Danbury shirt, t shirt, and oh, yeah, I was, trust me, I love the trashers back in the day. Um, but since it is, uh, They've become ultra popular in the uh, for this couple weeks. Like even my Brad Wingfeld uh, fights that are on my YouTube channel are uh, are getting a lot of play right now. And uh, and I know and uh, old uh, uh, Alec there in Florida sold his Bialois Danbury Trashers game used jersey. I'm not even going to tell you how many, or I'm not even going to tell you what he got for it, but. It was more than a few, but it will put. It was in the thousands. We'll put it that way, and uh, yeah, and good for him. And a lot of people are jumping on that. And uh, yeah, man, it's cool. And uh, it, it's good to see the story got out there, and and kind of this new generation of fan uh, gets to experience it or um, gets the history lesson about it. Um, I've often said with this show, and especially, um, there's so much emphasis. Uh, put on the NHL and the NHL players and the podcasts that have the NHL guys and oh they're so savage and they're so great and it's like you know and they are I'm not taking anything away from them but I'm like the minor league man the iron league back but you riding that bus and shit oh man that's a whole new that's a whole different level right there and uh that is always sort of uh my show what I've kind of um I always geared my show towards those guys the minor league guys and, um, you know, and it was for stories like this. I mean, and there wasn't, like, other Danbury trip, but, like, just the minor league shenanigans that go on, getting traded for washing machines and the long bus trips and, you know, having to be smuggled out because the cops are looking for you after you popped a fan or um, all those kind of stories. And then, of course, the minor league characters that come up. Um, so this is sort of, this is leading me to something here, but... Um, I've always just sort of appreciated the minor league guys and, and I really enjoy getting them on and getting their story out because in those, in their hometowns where they played, they were heroes. And of course on the road, they were the ultimate villains, but in their, you know, like you talk to anybody that was around like, like, well, Jay in Quad City or so-and-so Peoria or what have you and around and Nick and in, uh, Muskegon and stuff like that. I mean, you talk to those guys, or my my boy Scott up there in Fort Wayne. Um, the tough guys were always the most revered guys. I can remember going to a Manitoba Moose game when Mel Engelstad was playing, and the one section in the arena is Mel's Angels. They got the big sign, and 
Um, and of course, Harley Davidson store in Winnipeg released a, um, a Engelstad poster. And, and I mean, there was always those, I think the people, especially the blue collar towns, like the Toledo's and stuff, they always identified with the, with the tough guy. And, um, I mean, that was just tenfold with Danbury, of course, but I mean, that's what I, like, I mean, the tough guy, you know, like, you know, in, in Detroit, it was Probert and Toronto, you know, and I mean, I get Twist and St. Louis and, and Bougard and Minnie and stuff, and I mean, I get all that, and there were love there too, but the minor league is just different. Um, and for anybody listening, I'm sure all my listeners already have, but there's a couple things you could watch, and I'm sure, like I said, you probably have seen them, but one is the Jason Ralph mic'd up, mic'd up segment from the Rockford Ice Hog Roadhog DVD. That is on YouTube. Just put in Jason Ralph mic'd up. And uh, and that's hilarious in itself. And then there's just a documentary called Tough Guys. A Tough Guys documentary. And it's uh, Voth and Mel Nichuk and um, uh, Kevin Holliday. And and it was and it was uh, late, what would it be, 99, 98? It was around there, late 90s. It was really ahead of its time in terms of mic'd up and the, and, and the following the players around. Actually, the... Uh, the director of that Tough Guy documentary was the creator of the Trailer Park Boys, Mike Clattenburg. Um, but yeah, this was uh, definitely check that out. You could you definitely see a kind of a, a glimpse into life in the minors and what these guys have to go through. And like I said, I'm sure everyone listening already has, but I'm thinking with this Danbury um, theme type show, might have some new listeners and some younger ones that aren't aware. So definitely, again, check that out on YouTube. Also, if you really want to get into the the crazy LNAH, the crazy Quebec League, that's all, now you think Danbury's nuts. Danbury was Tuesday compared to the Quebec Quebec League. Um, it's called uh, Les Chiefs, L E S Chiefs, and it, I mean on YouTube, I think it's called the toughest team in hockey or something. But you type in just type in Les Chiefs, and it's a Laval Chiefs documentary uh, filmed in your in about '03. Oh, and they're living in the rink and all those fights. And definitely check that out. I'm not just, believe me, check it out. You'll dig it. It's, it, that's a whole new level right there. So I think it's just that gritty minor league. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's just something. And, uh, and I've always just really appreciated that. And again, and to go back, I mean, um, with my show, I, that's always what I strive to do is to get the minor league guys on. You can get an NHL guy on now and again. That's cool. You know, and I'm not, that's great. But uh, that's certainly not my uh, ambition or what I seek out to do. Um, you know, so I, I always sort of appreciated the minor league guys. So in saying that, um, well, before I get to today's show and the whole theme of what it, today is um, or what I'm doing with today's show, um, coming up here, uh, next Saturday is my date I'm hoping for, um, will be the beginning of the fifth annual, another tournament folks, the fifth annual minor league mayhem tournament. And this is my favorite tournament. And for all the reasons I just laid out for you, it'll be 64 of the minor leagues, toughest guys. And, uh, you know, we'll have Engelstad and Bombay and Morasti and Wingfeld and all those guys, Roberge and all of them. And uh, what I want to do, well, I have yet to record, but I'm setting it up today with Alec and Jay in Iowa. We're going to do kind of a group chat, and uh, that'll be next Wednesday's episode. And we will go over the bracket, the first round matchups, and uh, yeah, and we will, 
and just a general discussion of of the guys and uh, uh really looking forward to it it's a, it'll be a fun little a little deal oh i can't wait to put it on social media and get blasted about who isn't in it oh i get to relive all that again the things i do to myself i question but as much and as irritating as those people are that do that and it drives me nuts sometimes it is a tremendous boost um, in terms of visual uh, advertising for my social media platforms and hopefully my podcast. I hopefully that'll get people to listen, and uh, which is the whole goal of this thing. Um, you know, well, and to also obviously bring up the names of the guys and get people talking about uh, uh, Brandon Welsh and uh, Marty Melnichuk and 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 the like. Frank Littlejohns, and um, you know, and, and spark that conversation uh, before the inevitably. I mean, it's coming up here. The NHL season is going to kick off, and then we all get to be for six months. Listen to how you know whatever Matt Cassian's the baddest dude in hockey or something. So, and we got to, and then every hit that Tom Wilson throws is mean, and everyone's a bully, and. Ranger fans crying about picking up Reeves, and you can already see it coming with the Gen Z fans. They're just a bunch of whiny douchebags. So, before that, we get into all that, well, the, there's still something left of the summer. Um, we will release the Minor League Mayhem Tournament. So, uh, and I'm really looking forward. Anytime I can get uh, Jay and Alec, well, more Jay, Alec, eh, you know, would get him on the show. Uh, get those guys in the show. It's always, uh, I was going to say ratings gold, but I, I don't know when you get Alex on, it's more like ratings bronze, but we'll see. But I'm looking forward to that. That'll be next Wednesday's show. Provided everybody can show up on Saturday and we record and all that stuff. Well, providing my dumbass can figure out how to do a group, uh, I can record on a on a group thing. I've never done that before. I've always just had one person on the line, so we'll see how two goes. But uh, today's show is actually uh, I'm sticking a rerun in on you guys. I'm, like I said, I'm trying to capitalize on the Danbury Trashers momentum. Um, November nineteenth, twenty. No, is it November? Where do I got the date here? November seventeenth, twenty nineteen. I had Brad Wingfeld on my show. Um, that was on my very old platform, and we talked for three hours, and we covered his entire career, including Danbury. And uh, when I joined the Hockey Podcast Network, as regular listeners know, but we probably have some new listeners, welcome, thank you again for tuning in. Hopefully this becomes a regular staple in your, in your your on your playlist, as the kids say. Um, but uh, every Wednesday, I do two shows a week, every Wednesday is interview day. And then every Sunday is sort of a ranty episode where I yell out, look out the window and yell out the cl- at the clouds at whatever happens to be going on in hockey or an old article that I found. It's just a general bullshit uh, episode where I'll, I'll come up with a theme and whatever. Um, but initially when I joined the Hockey Podcast Network, I had had, um, I don't know, 20-some interviews on my, old, on my old website, fourthlinevoice.com, before it crashed. And I wanted to get those interviews back up online because I felt I owed it to the players. I really, I was really proud of the interviews. And, uh, yeah, so what I did was Wednesday would be my new, when I joined the network, Wednesday would be my new episode day. And then Sunday I'd call it, uh, uh, from the vault. 
so, so I and I re-upload, re-uploaded all my old interviews, including Brad Wingfeld's. So if you want to go back into my archives, the full three-hour Brad Wingfeld, yeah, it's more, yeah, two and a half, um, from his junior shenanigans all the way through the minors to Europe to uh, Danbury, and of course then the crazy LNAH. Um, Brad was a tremendous guest and uh, tells lots of great stories and is not afraid to, uh, you know, throw shade, as the kids say, on a few people. And uh, if you go back in my back catalog, it is actually um, episode four from The Vault with Brad Wingfeld. I would highly recommend checking out the full interview. But in the meantime, as I said, as I wanted to get on with the stick with the Danbury theme that is going around social media right now, I have snipped out the Danbill, the Danbill, easy for you to say, take two, the Danbury portion of Brad's interview with me. And it is about 30 minutes long. And uh, he tells some of the same stories that are on the documentary, but in a little more detail. And uh, and he just gives you a feel for Danbury. And, uh, you know, and some of the fights that he had there. So, uh, yeah. And I wanted to... Um, I wanted to get it back out there. Not only just for this clip and stuff, but to obviously advertise uh, my past interview with Brad. And uh, I just kind of figured... Uh, Hey, why not? And uh, truth be told, I had a guest lined up and they kind of no-showed So uh, on the weekend. Well, not really no-show, but we just couldn't. Yeah, no, they no-showed. But uh, yeah, so, but then it kind of came to me when Alec, we were talking about how popular the Danbury thing was and it was like trending on Twitter and shit. And I said, well, goddamn, I'm, I should get the Wingfeld interview back up and uh, at least the Danbury portion of it. Also, my interview with John Morasti, who also played in Danbury, we talked, John and I talk about Danbury as well, as well, so, um, definitely check that out, um, but yeah, I figured, why not ride the, the trasher train for the week, and, uh, it was funny, as I was kind of going through the interview, um, to edit out the Danbury part, I had to find the Danbury part first, but I was just sort of listening to it. And uh, when you've done, like, I mean, this is episode 139, and I mean, I've interviewed so many players. Like I said, we're going back two years and and um, and all that. You, you forget some of the interviews. Um, like, just the, the answers. And some You remember some of the stories, obviously. Well, <laughs> there's a couple stories Brad tells that I'll never forget, but it's just the general theme of the interview. You sort of, you forget after a while. There's so many people you talk to, but... Um, it's a really good interview. Um, honestly, Brad was a great guest and, uh, and I know at the time and even, and even since then, I don't, maybe he has, but I mean, I have, I mean, after this might be, there might be a little uptick in his, in his, uh, appearances, but I don't remember him on any other pod. Maybe they have been on other podcasts. I haven't seen them. Um, I know in talking to a few people that know Brad, they are very surprised, um, that I got the interview that I did. Because he's a very private person and uh, kind of the outsider, so to speak. He doesn't really talk hockey with. And uh, but I have Chris Walsh to thank for the interview. Chris was the one that set it up for me, and and Brad was cool, right? Like I've heard story, not that he's an asshole, but just you know, just kind of reserved and just you know, doesn't completely trust you or whatever. And but I have to say, from the word go, um, from talking to him on the phone and everything, Brad was nothing but forthcoming and and cool as shit with me and. Uh, yeah, like I said, great interview, and he didn't hold back, and it was great. And uh, and like I said, he's not on social media, so he's a, he was a, he would have been a hard dude to track down. So like I said, I don't 
I don't think he's done any podcasts other than mine. So if you want to hear the Wingfeld story, believe me, it's a good one. You'll want to check out, definitely check out the whole episode. It, it's awesome. He, he does a good, I'm not saying I did a great, he, it was all him. He just, I just laid out the framework and he filled in the blanks. I mean, he was a great guest. So definitely I highly recommend checking out his, uh, the back, uh, interview with him again, episode four. Um, you know, speaking of back catalog, uh, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, um, on and on. Um, I definitely recommend, um, going back and checking out their interviews and, um, and, and yeah, cause like I said, it, uh, McMorrow and, uh, Josh Mazur, Chris Graff and, uh, all those guys, uh, always some characters. And, uh, I want to thank everybody for who tuned into the, uh, the two part Paul Ferrone interview that I put out. Um, Paul was a great guest. I want to thank him again. Um, another guy, not on social media, uh, what wasn't he's never been on another podcast i believe he says it in my interview uh he will probably never do another one so uh and i so i i really want to thank him for for uh for taking the time out and uh and and doing mine and it, it did really well i know it, it was received very well uh, especially in the uk oh you crazy uk fo- folks um anytime i have a past a player that played over there um the interview just does tremendous, and uh, I can't. You know, I, I always, I always bug, I always bug you, UK guys. I get on you sometimes, and uh, you know, and I don't understand the fandom sometimes. But uh, there's no doubting the passion of the of the of the uh, Engl- the English fans. And uh, every time I've had a, a guest on, uh, Zach Fitzgerald, Colt King, uh, Riley Emerson, Frank Kovacs, Mike McWilliam. Nickerson, Cornish, Goulet, McMorrow. Um, every time I've had a guy on that's played Grimaldi, I, I brought a lot of heat. The Grimaldi interview. Um, yeah, you guys have supported it wholeheartedly, and I can't thank you guys enough. Um, I know I have some. I have a, a bunch of regular listeners over in the UK. Of course, Paul and Searson, and the, oh, those those two jokers. Yeah, maybe I better not mention their names. Holy shit, my ratings will tank. I guess you got to watch who you associate with over there, but uh, no, they've been outstanding with their information and Paul with the pictures and and the videos and um, and John with just pr- the promotion of the show over there. I know I think he's flooded every message board and taken the slings and arrows that come with it. But uh, I can't thank you guys enough. And then you know uh, you know uh, Sam and uh, Scott and uh, Chris and all you guys over there. Um, Thank you very much, um, and Jason Ward and guys, um, we've always been supportive of the show, and it, and it was really cool. And I mean, every time, every day when I up re up the uh, the Ferone interview, you know, and get it to get up to the, everybody top of their timelines, and you know, um, right away they were meet those guys immediately retweeted it every day. So uh, no, thank you very much for doing that, and because uh, yeah, it's the show. When it's a little show like mine, I mean, I'm not spitting chiglets. We're not Cam and Strick show. I'm not some ex-NHL guy with the with the cachet and the name. Um, so myself and Joe and Alec and little shows like ours, we need it's 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 view it's listener driven. So we need your retweets and and your shares on Facebook and tell your friends. And I mean, I know Paul uh, talking to Paul. I mean, he talked to a number of friends. Oh yeah, you know, I was on the show. Check it out, but. 
you know, check out his other stuff. And, uh, you know, so hopefully that, you know, with every, every time you get a guest and they spread the word, um, hopefully you gain some new listeners, not just for that. I mean, they're going to listen to the episode with their friend, you know, but hopefully going forward from that, you gain a couple new listeners and, um, you know, so it, it, like I always say, it's listener driven. This is your guys' show. So this is who I'm, I'm not doing this for my own benefit. I mean, I'm just, uh, I mean, I enjoy talking to the guys and everything, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you guys weren't listening, there wouldn't be much point in doing it. Right. So I'd be sitting here talking to myself. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you again to everybody that, uh, that uh, that retweets and shares and, and spreads the word. Uh, like I said, you guys are my billboard. I don't have an advertising budget, so I got to rely on the on the listeners. And uh, you guys have been and la- last couple months, honestly, you guys have been killing it. Um, I had a really good month in terms of downloads uh, last month, and uh, you know, and again, it's starting off hot here in September with with Paul Frone, who got up to uh, I believe it was number five in the UK, and we were forty fourth or something in Canada, and. Yeah, it was, uh, re- again, really well received, and uh, thank you, everybody. But, well, before we get into all that, I have to, of course, I have to bring up my sponsors. Uh, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, whatever, all the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Um, and, of course, they're getting busy with camps about ready to start and everything, and their seasons will be kicking off here, so the network will be buzzing. Um like I said, you'll find a show of whatever team you're a fan of. And, um, of course, for my off-network friends, my off-network friends shows is, uh, of course, uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I could throw them in this category. Friggin' uh, Alec out there, Mud Show, Florida Man, Five for Fighting podcast. He's like, a, I, you know, you thought he had left, and then he comes back. He's like shower on a fungus on a shower curtain, right? You can scrub and scrub, and then it'll always come back. Here he is, back in black, back at her. But he has a tremendous back catalog, in all seriousness. Bialois, Rob Ray, Yablonski, Segroy, tremendous. Alec does a great job. And he is also the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. If you happen to be on Facebook, definitely sign up for the group. And, uh, yeah, lots, lots, of, oh, Jesus, 12,000 members or something crazy like that. And there's always videos and pictures getting put up and debates. Most of the time, sane debates. Every once in a while, there's some goofiness, but that is quickly snuffed out. Um, really definitely doing a massive cleanup in the group. Too many, I've, I've, too many goofs. And, uh, like we said, we're not putting up with, with idiots. So, uh, yeah, we're really cleaning up the group. But, uh, what Alec is doing is on Fridays, um, he is doing a live interview show. And so far, he's had Sean Pete on. Um, then he had Longmire out in Wyoming, uh, Dr. Chris. That's my new name for him. I call him Longmire. And then um, last week, he had Jason Bone. Or it was the week before. Last week, Alec had uh, shit to do. But um, And it's really cool. It's a live interview. And then, of course, you know you could chime in and whatever. And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of fun. And uh, it's a new thing Alec is trying out. And I think as the season goes on, and maybe as it catches on, um, hopefully more people will tune in, um, maybe during a live show. And uh, and, and it's basically like I know when uh, it's one thing when there's a player on and it's an interview, you don't want to chime in too much. But uh, like when Chris was on, yeah, him and Alec, uh, you know they, you know, fan guys were chiming in and 
And then they also watched a bunch of fight videos. So basically it was like sitting around with the boys in the basement watching fight DVDs. So it was, um, so it was, it's a pretty fun episode. And, uh, and I think going forward, um, Alec plans on doing a little more of that. And, uh, yeah, so it'll definitely be something to check out. But then, and then of course on Tuesday he releases the episode in audio form. So, um, yeah, again, five for fighting podcast. Check it out. Alex doing a bang up job. Um, and then of course, Jolton Joel, Joel Lazito out in Long Island. Give me the Lazito is, uh, an Islander enforcer based podcast. And again, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Asham, Strudwig. And, uh, yeah, and again, it's all Islander based, right? And, and Joe's been around. Joe does the thorough interviews, gets down, flip, turns over all the rocks, the nitty gritty, if you will. And Joe is, uh, is a heck of a guy. And, um, you know what? I'm not even gonna, you know, I always, I kind of, I bust Joe's balls a lot and I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that today. I'm not. Because you know why? Because Joe, Joe's, uh, Joe's feeling down. And, uh, I'm not gonna kick a guy when he's down. You know, and that's the thing with Joe. Despite, uh, being out in New York, I mean, he'll always be a, a New York Majesty fan first. But after that, when it, in football, but when it comes to that, of all, and this is no bullshit, this is true, Joe is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan in the CFL. Um, I, I know, I know, whatever. And it's fun. I live here. And I'm not even a Rider fan. Look, that's going to get me some heat. Look at me throwing that out. I'm not even going to say what... Uh, CFL team I'm a fan of. I just hope they stampede the riders. That's all I'm saying. But anyway. Now, before all you rider idiots get yelling at me, it, the stampeder's a family thing, so never mind. But, <laughs> oh, the rider pride. But yes, uh, way back when, when Joe had his unfortunate subway incident, and if you don't know, type in Joe Lazito on Google. You'll quickly figure it out. Um, he had reached out to about a CFL. He wanted to become a CFL fan. And he said on on Twitter, I think, just, what team should I be a fan of? And the Riders reached out, and uh, Joe ended up actually down in Regina for a Rider game. And, uh, yeah, he bleeds green, I'll tell you. And, uh, yeah, so, but, unfortunately, their big rival with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Banjo Bowl for the Labor Day Classic, and the Riders lost. So... I know Joe's probably wearing a black armband and feeling down. So all he can do right now is juggle his balls. That's it. Now, if you're saying, what am I talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you, Joe Lazito has merchandise. You name it, Joe's put his face on it. So the Coliseum Chronicles merchandise is flying out the door. And he has shirts and pants and pens and coffee mugs and frisbees and you name it. Lacrosse balls, hacky sacks. Joe's got his face on everything. So, like I said, if you're like Joe's, Joe's interviewed lacrosse guys. So he's getting into the lacrosse thing, you know, and the whole nine yards. So, yes, so that's where Joe's merchandise. So, what I'm talking about, if you want to hold Joe's balls, uh, get out, go to his merchandise store. There you go. So, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick on Joe. This week, because I know he's he's feeling for the riders, the sting of the rider loss. So I won't, I, like I said, I won't kick him when he's down. 
But uh, Joel, Joel Lizito gave her the Lizito. Check out her show, though. Joel's a good dude. But, oh, and if you happen to be on social media, as I always say, my first question to you is, why would you do that to yourself? But you did, so here we are. Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Send me a friend's request, uh, a follow, what have you. Also, and I don't know for how much longer, the way YouTube's going, they're clamping down. But if you want to watch fights, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel. I have over 2,500 fight videos on there from every league, and they're all sorted. Just type into the little search engine, NHL, OHL, AHL, WHL, whatever. I have everything. 2,500 videos. Like I said, there's a bunch of Brad Wingfeld, Danbury fights on there. Just type in UHL or just type in Brad Wingfeld. It'll come up. And, uh, yeah, John Morasti, Bia Lois. Type in whoever you're looking for. Stuff stuff will come up. So subscribe and uh, definitely check that out. And, um, as I keep saying, we can't sell our condo, guys. It's sitting here. Does anybody want to buy a two-bedroom condo in Saskatoon? Nice area. Uh, I believe uh, old Carson Shields called a palatial estate. I believe he called it. It's uh, it's quite lovely. I'll give it to you for good price. Um, no, we are in the process of sort of wanting to move. So we, of course, when you show it, you want as less uh, the least amount of clutter as possible. So we packed up all our shit and we put it out at a out in the farm and in my parents' basement and. And everything, so we're down to kind of the bare minimum around here. Not thinking it would take five months to sell, but uh, here we are. So all my fight DVDs are packed away. So um, I haven't uploaded, a, I have some DVDs here, but I haven't been uploading it with the regular pace that I would like to. Um, but, and I, and I, when I get settled into the new area, new place, um, I have a number, I have some, I have a couple of YouTube projects I'd really like to try out. Kind of some player series and some, like, take kind of take maybe audio clips from some of the interviews I've done with guys and, like, and match them up with fights and then, you know, put that video out. I think that'd be, that'd be really cool. Um, like Dean Mayrad when he's breaking down, like, the Enforcers tournament and stuff, um, the Black and Blue tournament in Prince George. I think that'd be pretty cool. So, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I'm just spitballing right now, but I think, uh, going forward, that's what I'm going to try to do. But, um, Anyway, enough of that. Um, yeah, how about we'll we'll get into the Danbury thing here, and we'll get into the Wingfeld interview. It's funny, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but like I said, when everybody now is, like I said, this trashers fever has caught on. Um, yeah, I lived through that uh, in 04 and 05. Like, we, that was right in the kind of the message board days, fried chicken and hockeyfights.com before they fucked it up, and... They had the message boards and, um, yeah, and we were all in there and like everyone was talking about this Danbury team. They're like, oh, you got to see, and the, like the 18 year old GM and, and I'm thinking in my head, man, this kid, I would, I would have run the team the same way. I mean, I would have, that's like, we always have our little fantasy booking and stuff. And all of a sudden it was like, it was coming, it was tr- coming to life right in front of our eyes, like how we would run a team. And it, it would, it really was. I don't know, in some ways, it really was sort of the English version of the Quebec League, as far as the team goes. Because, like, the Laval Chiefs and Sorrell and stuff, they were doing all the shit that Danbury was doing. Bringing in every tough guy you could think of, throwing money at him, paying him under the table and all that. Um, 
I mean, so that wasn't anything new. Laundering money and whatever. That wasn't anything new. Um, that was actually far more criminal than what Danbury was doing. But um, that's what it kind of reminded us of. And then everybody was talking about it. And uh, and like I said, they were the scourge of the of the United League. And I know, I remember teams, I remember uh, Barry Melrose was the GM of a team. I'm trying, off the top of my head, I can't remember which one. But he was whining and crying at league meetings about the there and the other teams would cry that they're mean and oh and that's all true that all happened I can remember reading press releases on the internet with teams crying about you know they had boo boo face about Danbury and all their shit eating wrestling tactics and everything else and um you know and and they were trying to really clean up the league and and all that and. I always laugh at the, like watching that documentary and you know the, the United League uh, uh, commissioner and all that stuff. I remember we used to get so mad at him because I mean he would throw out the most bullshit suspensions on him, and uh, you know you could just tell because it was Danbury, right? So, oh yeah, well he even says in the show that he was doing that, and it was true. I can remember being like we were all bitch on the on the forums about they're giving that guy ten games for that bullshit and whatever and. Bannon Chad Wagner for well Wagner for life you could kind of see that one as her because I think it was Mark Potvin he tried he grabbed the coach and tried to fight him and I was really hoping that footage would have been on the what on the, but on the uh, on the on the documentary um, I really hope at some point and I know Alec actually and if you want to hear an AJ Galante, there there right there if you I know Galante is going to be a McMorrow and he's been on a bunch of different podcasts and whatever. Uh, definitely check out Alec Five for Fighting. He was the first guy to ever interview AJ. Definitely check that interview out. It's really good. And they talk about all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, definitely check out Alex's AJ interview for sure. It'll be the best one. I Trust me, it'll be the best one. Um, but I was telling Alec on the, on the, I'm like, get AJ, try to get the footage from AJ. Because there's no, there's no Danbury footage out there. Um, yeah, we, I mean, it was... We had a guy kind of hooked up for it, and then that fell. Up. That's a whole other story that fell through. But, um, but I know AJ says he. Well, obviously he has it. It was on the documentary some, but but I said I would love for them if they could cap. Like right now they're hot. I said make a fight DVD. I mean that's the thing. You own the footage, so there's no copyright, nothing. You don't have to worry about anything. Put it on. Just put some fucking music to it and throw it up there. DVD, cheap money, man. Ten, fifteen bucks. I mean, I know it's DVD or digital download, whatever you want to do nowadays. Put it on a platform and sell it. Uh, you know, people would love to see it. Um, I know I would. Uh, I, I really hope some of that footage um, shows up because there is a number of incidents. Not only just the one-on-one fights that would be cool to see with Morasti and Wingfeld and, and those guys, but um, like I said, Chad Wagner attacking the bench and, of course, the Alzinga thing was out there, but I'd like to see the full, the full thing of it. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'd, I, hopefully that footage surfaces someday. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, I actually have some really cool. I a friend of mine bought them off the photographer in Flint when he was there when Danbury was in in to play Flint. Um, I have some really cool John Morasti photos of him fighting Tidball and uh, and just playing, but some good. Tidball and him fight pictures. Um, so I, I'm thinking I'm going to be putting up the digital copies for sale. Maybe five bucks for an eight by ten. Um, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe put some of that up. But uh, yeah, but it's just funny because I, I I don't know why. 
I mean, I knew they didn't, but it just seemed like they were around for a lot longer. But they were only there two seasons, and that was it. And then, of course, the the indictment, and that was the end of it. But you didn't realize it until you're watching. It's like, oh yeah, shit, they were only around for two seasons. But, um, but I mean, and that's the thing. You can make fun of the 18 year old GM all you want. Well, finished lost in the second round the first year, and then made lost in the finals in the second. So I mean. He put together a hell of a team, and they, I mean they were the most exciting team in the league, and probably were the number one. Well, I guarantee they were the number one road attraction. So, I would definitely say in the brief two years that the Danbury Trashers were definitely successful. But it was funny. I just kind of looked at their all-time roster and some of the guys that went through there, and it's like Ryan Barnes, Francis Belanger, Bia Lois, Garrett Burnett, um, Carlisle Lewis, Dave McIsaac, Morasti, Roman Endor. Wingfeld, of course. Stephen Pete during the lockout played seven games. I think he got hurt though when he was there. But uh, Chad Wagner of uh, the Afro three games in seventy minutes or whatever, and suspended for in, uh, for life from the United League. Um, yeah, what a, what a ride for those two years, and uh, it it was cool to see the doc. It was cool to finally see it come out on the documentary. But yeah, and, and I guess. And I've said this before, even with like fight footage and what have you, I guess when you've, when I've done it for so long and I'm, I'm old, 44, you know, I'm old and, you know, you, you go through everything and I guess sometimes I, and stupidly, I don't know why I do, but I just assume everybody's sort of seen this already. And, uh, I have to remember like, yeah, like I said, the Danbury stuff, that was 17 years ago. So a lot of these young kids that are, Hey, did you, did you see this? Well, they were like five and six years old. When this was going on, so they have no, and they were gone in two years, and hell, by the time they kind of, you know, 10, 11, 12, when you start forming your opinions on hockey and watching it as a fan, the United League was gone, you know, so I was kind of like, why don't these people know this shit, but it's like, yeah, why would they, you know, and I, I mean, you just, I just forget sometimes at the age, I forget, I, I literally forget how old I am sometimes, and, um. Actually, I put that on Twitter, yes, completely off topic, but I kind of put that on Twitter last night. I mean, it's kind of corny, but it's true. I'm, I was sort of, and it was true, I was sitting here the other day, um, and everything was shut off. It was just dark, and uh, I was just lying on the couch, and uh, I was just fiddling around on my phone, and uh, for whatever reason, I started, uh, um, and Bob Seeger came on. I was just listening to Night Moves and stuff, and what a... Amazing song, and I'm a huge Bob Seger fan, but it was just, and I, I mean, I've listened to the words before and stuff, but it was, uh, um, I'm just sort of lying there, just, and I finally, I'm like listening, listening to the words, and I, and I said on, on Twitter afterwards, I said, I think, uh, Seger's one of those, Bob Seger's one of those artists that the older you get, the lyrics hit you a lot harder, and he's an amazing storyteller, and it's like, yeah, you just listen to it, and it's just, you know, in a song like Night Moves, or Against the Wind, or Roll Me Away, or, you know, what have you, Like a Rock, I mean, they they just, uh, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I'm not trying to sound hokey or whatever, but it just, it was weird sitting there, so, anyway, completely off topic, but, uh, no, when I go back, and I, and I, and I sometimes I think about all this footage, and, and the things I've went through, and, and lived through as a fan in hockey, um, I have to remember the age and the and the time frames, because uh, like I said, when these young people on social media start talking about it, what's this Danbury? You're like, I oh, get dumb shit. What do you mean Danbury? Like, 
That was a 2000. What do you mean you don't know who they are? And it's like, and then you realize the guy you're talking to was like four when it was happening. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, that, that explains it. But, uh, so no, it's cool when these documentaries come out to, uh, to bring stuff like that to light. And, uh, it's really cool to see that the kind of the Danbury Trashers fever has hit for a little while. Cause yeah, it hit for us at 04 too. I remember when all this was happening. So, um, no, it, it's cool that it's coming back around a second time. So, uh, and hey, why not jump on the train while you can? So again, uh, let's get into it. Um, this is my, the portion, the Danbury portion of my Brad Wingfeld winger, uh, interview. And again, I highly encourage you to go back and, and definitely listen to the, listen to the entire interview. It's episode four. If you want to go back through my back catalog, he's a tremendous guest. Great guy. Uh, had a lot of fun talking to him. A little intimidating at first. You hear all the stories, but when you get talking to him, he's a good dude. And, uh, yeah, well, like I said, you guys, you got a taste of, taste of it from the, uh, from the documentary. Like I said, some of the stories are the same, but go a little more in depth. And, it, and it's just a fun talk with Brad. And, and like I said, it's sort of evergreen because, right, it, it all of it happened 17 years ago. So, uh, it, it's, it's good that it's, it's out there and it's being preserved and it's being brought up for a next generation to, to hear the crazy stories. And I always laugh when, so when people tell me that Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson are, crazy i okay and this is a glimpse into the danbury stuff of that's the hockey that i watched growing up so when i say stuff like that on social media that's kind of what i'm getting at but uh how about it folks um i will talk to you guys again on sunday for all the new folks that tuned in for the to hear winger uh welcome thank you very much for uh for choosing to listen to the show i hope you come back and also check out my back catalog um like I said, I think that you'll find some really great, really great stuff there. But uh, all right, guys, let's get into it. Uh, here is uh, the Danbury Trashers portion of my interview with Brad Winfeld, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. Um, I mostly like to. I really like you know after the anthem goes, and if you're starting, I like to go up and skate up and down their bench and let them know what what they got coming, especially in Danbury. Um. Just skate up and down their bench before the puck drops. Just screaming at them, let them know it's it's on tonight. Um, so yeah, I like to do a little bit of that. More so as you get older, right? I wasn't really doing that as a the first couple of years. You get you get uh, it wouldn't go well for you then. But unless you gain confidence and gain experience and um, skill, I would like to do that from time to time. You bet. <laughs> well, speaking of Danbury. Uh, of course, the stories are, are, are legendary. Um, and in fact, yeah. there's, a, there's a movie being made, uh, yeah. ab- about that and everything. But you, you know, and I mean, you got Morasti yourself, uh, Roman Ender, Burnett, Ender. Pete, Belanger, Wagner, Baya Lois, on and on. One guy'd get suspended, another guy'd come in. Yeah. You, you have to have some crazy stories of Danbury playing with the Trashers. And how did the well, owner, the Galantis treat you? And what was your experience yeah. for the two years that you were there? How was your experience in Danbury? Like, just to sum it off, and then we'll get into detail, is the greatest time of my life. My, mine and my wife's, my family's young life. Like, I'll never forget those years ever. It's the greatest experience I've ever had in hockey, and it was awesome. Just awesome. Oh, you know, so there'll yeah there'll be something coming out. I can't really talk a whole lot about it next spring. You'll see it, but um, I just had the honor of uh, my wife and I flew back to Danbury in uh, late August there for for a quick quick um, stay, 
can't say why, but we'll, you guys will figure it out in yep. spring. And um, had an opportunity there to um, run into my old boss and the owner, uh, Jimmy Galante, and uh, just one of the greatest men that um, I ever met, and what a character, and treated my family and I so well. My They gave us, my oldest son was born there, Jacob was born in Danbury, um, he's a dual citizen. Um, you know, it's not free for um, childbirth in the U.S. You're looking at like 30 Ds and Yep. Jimmy Galante and the Trashers, they paid for all that. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's just unreal. There's so many stories from there. I'll forget more stories than I'll remember from <laughs> there. But the care, Jeff State was there. Uh, I met John Morasti, who's one of my best friends in the whole world. We're still in touch. I still talk to rooms. You know, um, uh, Hickey was there for a bit. Yep. Um, yeah, the Wagner incident with Mark Potvin. Um, just what a uh, uh, who else? Uh, Jared Burnett. Yep. Stephen Pete fight all the time. Stephen Pete. I brought Stephen Pete there. Where uh, I met Stephen Pete fighting him in junior in Langley, and it was during the NHL lockout. And we got Petey there for a bit. His Pete's having a bit of a rough time now, but uh, what a tough guy! What a good guy! Um, hopefully, he gets his life turned around at some point. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Um. Jared Burnett is a guy that I I hated. Like, well, I didn't hate. I hated him. He was dirty. Like, I remember first fighting Bernie in the American League, and he two handed me so hard in the back of the knee. And then we fought. And I'm in the penalty box screaming at him, like, "You don't need to fucking slash me, you cheap whatever." I won't get in any more words than that. But like, just ask me to fight, and after that, we just looked at each other every time and fought, and then to play with Bernie was actually the assistant coach player assistant coach and I'm like I remember Bernie telling me I'm like hey shut up man. I'm not listening to you like <laughs> not a very good hockey player no but definitely a big guy um yep it's good he had a little bit of balance issues but um fuck he could put your lights out look at Ryan Vandenbush in the show there lights out what put him to sleep right so he always ha- has that potential to put you in his lights out and I know Bernie from skating and pro camps and Vancouver, Alberta, V8 rings in the summertime. So huge human being, huge. Yep. So, and I remember uh, something happened on the ice um, between Burnett and he had, you know how many tough guys we had there, but he had one practice. He had uh, four or five of them going after him. And I, I wasn't part of it. I don't know what happened, but somehow I became the mediator. And no, I didn't always like Bernie and I liked the other guys better. I felt bad that there was possibly going to be a gang beating during practice on the ice. <laughs> it kind of held everyone back, and I got Bernie off the ice and out of there. And turns out Bernie was living with the, staying with the Galantes, and um, you know these are mafiosa people. You don't want to yeah. mess around. But great people, great people, love them. But Bernie grabs um, Roseanne Galante's laptop and starts ringing up the fucking porn on it. <laughs> So she goes to go on her computer, and there's all this porn. And then uh, I don't know what Jimmy did. Started Bernie would start disappearing, and we, you know, he's giving out cars and everything for us there. And he tracked one of Burnett's, put a tracker on his car, and found out he sh- was places that he shouldn't have been. That's really all I'll say about that. And they ended up getting rid of him. But nonetheless, great experience. Every night something could go off. Um, just the you know they had uh, obviously 
was the um, Sterling was the coach the first year. Not a very experienced coach, and not sure he should have been coaching pro hockey. But good guy. Um, we called him SpongeBob SquarePants. He had one of the biggest asses you'll ever see. <laughs> but um, his dad was a longtime New York Islanders head coach there, I think, for a while. Yep. Um, so they gave him the opportunity, and um, luckily we had a veteran lineup. Some good guys, Brent Gretzky, Jim Duhart. Um, there's more than that. Bruce Richardson, um, Jeff Daw, Mike Rupp came in. Mike Rupp, yep. Um, so, and I ended up breaking my leg that year real bad. Wow, this is and, what I'm going to um, get into. Josh Helsinga, correct? Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that one, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll start, so half, so I believe it's December 3rd, I believe. Yeah. Um, Helsinga, like, would he knee you or something? Um, no, slew, slew foot. Slew foot, right, right, right. So, yeah. yeah, and then puts you out for the year. Yeah. Yeah, well, it should have been my career. That's what the doctors were telling me. But, unfortunately, at 23, I shattered my leg really bad in um, Corpus Christi. So, when I say shattered my leg, it was um, broke uh, my tibia at my skate boot, spiral fracture down on my ankle, uh, broke my fibula up high just under my knee. So I've already had one of these shattered legs, right? And they put a titanium 15-inch rod through your tibia, and they screw your ankle back together. My first one, I had about six screws in it, one through under the knee, so you're looking at seven screws and a titanium rod. So I've already been through that. Um, and this one was Elzinga. So lucky I got off to a good start my first year in Danbury. Um, I think I was on pace for... So I'm like 28, goal, 28 goals and 700 and something penalty minutes. If you play a full 80-game season, which it was. Yep. So you can figure out the stats. I think I played 11 games and 7 goals, 4 assists, and 100 and, you know, 176. 176. Yeah, 176. So that's at the, was that the 20-game mark, maybe? Yep, 20 games, 7 yeah. goals, 4 assists, 176 minutes. So there you minutes. go. Yep. Quarter, so times that by 4. Not likely I would ever play a full season due to suspension anyways. But on pace for a pretty incredible year, actually. Would have, imagine that? 700-plus minutes. <laughs> well, it would have been pretty it, cool. It would have been pretty tough on that. You'd have to, you, that's the problem when you got that many guys. You'd be standing in line waiting for people. <laughs> yeah. But you had the green light from the owner to go do what I do, right? Yeah. Like running goalies that deserved it. <laughs> Just going... <laughs> A little haywire. They uh, sort of, you don't even have a leash. when More so, uh, you know, when you're on the road, I guess, because the coach doesn't have to incline to play you as much. Yeah. But at home, the owner wants to see his man on the ice fucking people up. Yep. <laughs> so that was good. But um, the Elzinga thing, um, so what happened, that was back in the day still, right? When you, you dump the puck in, you remember the weak side D would hold up for the guy going back to get the puck. Yep. Which you can't do anymore. Nope. Um, so my biggest thing was I started so many hockey games, and this wasn't the start of the game, though, but because of that purpose to dump it in and me to run the shit out of you, their team and scare them, right? So this was later in the – I just scored a goal. Great pass by Brent Gretzky and – might have been the same shift after scoring, but we dumped the puck in. And I go to forecheck, and Elzinga is the hold-up defenseman, and he has his cross-check up, and it comes up and clips me in the mouth. So, you know, I stop, and I'm like, fuck, a little bit of blood. And so 
So I'm like, dude, let's go. And he's like, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, yeah, we're fighting. Let's go. Yelling at him. And he's like, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, keep your stick down. You're not going to have a choice. I'm screaming at him. And he's like, okay, okay. And I turn to skate away. And this guy grabs me by the back of my jersey and boots me in the back of my legs. And my left skate gets cut underneath me. And just, I guess the whole arena could hear it just crack and pop. And I knew from breaking my other leg before, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not again. And sure enough, when I'm laying on my back on the ice, I look down at my foot. My toes should be pointed towards the sky. Well, my toes are flopped over to the left, completely flat. And I'm like, fuck, here we go again, man. Unbelievable. So, there we go. Second stretcher ride to the SmackDown Hotel. Off I go. So, you know, that takes a toll on a guy, man. It takes a toll on your body. So, um, I don't know at that time how many surgeries I've had. I know how many I've had now. I've had 17 to try to repair my body, and it's not in very good shape, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe that that one from Elzinga was the start, the beginning of the end for me. Um, you know, I came back and all that, but I never played a full season again, I don't think. So the last year I played a full season of hockey would have been in um, Corpus Christi. Yep. Yeah. So that's so the how hard? Of the end yeah. There. So I mean, obviously that rehab throughout the summer was probably just brutal. Did um? Did brutal. you think you were going to play at all, or would you? Well, I thought I was because the doctor told me that that's a career-ending injury. Injury. This is the second time I heard this. Yeah. Career ender, you can't play anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah? Like, that's honestly the type of person I am. I just yeah. need someone to tell me that. I can't play again, eh? Because I know the doctors now, they're, they're giving you the worst-case scenario because they have to. But me, I'm the type of guy that's like, you don't, he's not deciding if I can play hockey again. I'm deciding if I can play hockey again. And so I remember hitting the rehab so hard that actually by – before the season was over and playoff time, I was actually skating at practice again, but I couldn't. I was I wasn't able to play, but I was out on the ice skating. So pretty incredible. Did you stay in Danbury the whole time? No, I wanted to. We the Glanties set us all up on lakes in a private gated community in houses on the lakes, Candlewood Lake in New Fairfield. So I'm like, oh, we should stay for the summer. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go see, uh, ask the landlord who we became friends with, well, what he charges for rent. And it's like for June and July and August, it's like 10000 U.S. a month rent. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay. So we went home. Um, I had to come back in the summer to have the hardware removed from my yep. legs yep. because they don't like to keep that – because if you get tra- have severe trauma again, it's even if it gets mangled the leg, you see it's you're done because the hardware's in there. So I came back for ten days and stayed with the Galantes and you know was uh, lived at their house with them. And me and AJ, we got along real good. I love the kid. Um, you know, eighteen year old GM. Some people might be like, "That's a joke. It's not real." Let me tell you, the kid did his job, due diligence, and no, he was. You know, not many 18-year-olds are going to get that opportunity. The guy deserved the opportunity and did his job really well. And was, um, we got along great, and we had just wars on uh, 
playing NHL hockey. <laughs> You'll say he was better than me, but like I'll tell you right now, like uh, I had at least a 750 winning percentage against him. I'm not <laughs> afraid to say that. So it was great to um, see him this August. Um, I got to see him. Um, I got to see uh, Jimmy Galante, AJ, and uh, our old equipment manager, T-Bone, Tommy Pompasello, who is just, uh, he's hes just quite the character, man. This guy's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy funny. So, Oh, I mean, the stories are yeah. out there. and I'm, I'm so looking forward to the movie, and I mean, that'll be great, and uh, or the documentary or whatever's coming, but uh, that'll, yeah, yeah. that'll be so cool. Um, well, so, well, obviously the next year you, you play the 36 games, but of course, I mean, you got to have that game with Elzinga circled, and uh, absolutely. How how are you just like you probably just coming out of your skin that night to kill this guy? I was uh, yeah, very quiet, very to myself, <laughs> very focused. And what I didn't want to do is, um, I didn't want to come right out of the right out of the gates and do it. I wanted to. See, I like that, um, what do you call it? What would I say? The anticipation build-up? Yeah. Well, but I'm going to cut you off just for a sec. Did the, obviously, the league knows this shit's going down. Did anybody from the league step in and say, hey, like, did they say anything to you? No, I probably wouldn't have talked to Brussel or what was the other guy's name? Richard, do uh, you remember? No, I don't remember. I, I don't know. They might have tried contacting us, but I don't think uh, Jimmy probably would uh, never sent a message or wouldn't let them talk to me. So I never heard from the league. Okay, I don't think they probably contacted the Trashers, but there's no way Jimmy Galante is telling me not to not to go and get exact revenge. I'll what? tell you that, not chance. These guys had the camera set up. You can see on the video they were prepared to make it super little so the league could get minimum off the video to suspend me. So have you seen, you've watched, obviously watched the YouTube video, I'm sure. Yep. So they were all set to shrink that video so no one could see what was going on. And trust me, <laughs> there was some extra stuff going on. But anyways, I didn't want to get right to it. We wanted to kind of build the anticipation. Maybe let Kalamazoo think that, uh, oh, maybe nothing's going to happen. I mean, what's the rush? We got 60 minutes here, right? <laughs> yep. I know what's going to happen. and But I eventually, I just couldn't hold on with it any longer. And, um, I thought I picked a good, pretty good spot to attack them. I let the play go back up ice. Tell you one thing that saved uh, Elzing a little bit was their goalie. I think his name was Joel Martin. Didn't take into account the goalie jumping in on me. So, no. give. Kudos to the goalie jumping in because I waited for pretty much the rest, except for me and Elzing, to move up ice. So you got eight guys on the other end and me and Elzing on one end. I'm like, going to take a little bit of time here to do some work on this guy. So Martin got in there, which is good for him. But, um, you know, in the end, I didn't see him leaving on a stretcher. And I know I said in, a, in an interview before, which really rattled a bunch of people, but I would like to see him leave on a stretcher in a body bag. Well, that's the fucking truth. That guy cheated me right out. He didn't need to do that. Yep. So I still believe that I owe that guy if I ever come across of him. Obviously, I, I'm not that type of person anymore. I have to think about who I am as a coach and a hockey director. 
and I have kids, but it is in the back of my head that we're even. I don't think we're even. I didn't see his leg break. Did he, uh, no. when it happened, did he ever reach out to you at all? Never. Yeah. The only person that reached out when I was in the hospital was uh, my owner brought his address to where he lives. I believe it's somewhere else in Illinois. <laughs> and asked, do I need to send some people to visit this guy? Which I declined and said I would really like to do it myself if it comes down to. <laughs> nice. And I won't say which owner that was. Uh, we're all good. It's all good. It's, uh, yeah. Well, well, there you go. There's, uh, well, before the, uh, before we leave Danbury, there's a couple, I know you had a couple tilts with, uh, Matt Goody as well. Oh yeah. Three in one night. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Big dude. How'd those go? Good, 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 good fights. Um, I probably shouldn't at the end. I let him off the hook on the third one, but his face was just battered. I, I don't remember being a nice guy like that, but. Well, when I was hitting him, blood was splashing in my face too, so it was kind of nasty. And he's a younger guy. I thought I think he got a, he might have got a trial with the Boston Bruins from that, off of that, and then played in Providence, I believe. So, but I, again, he wasn't much of a player, but big guy, tough, tough kid, tough kid. I hit him with a, I hit him with some everything I had, pretty much. He's still standing there, so good for him. Well, and another fight I just wanted to throw at you, just uh, some Chris Shaw character. I think we heard uh-huh. of, we heard of him. How did that one go? Yeah. <laughs> Shawzy, Shawzy, so, yeah, me and Shawzy go way back. Um, just to sort of set the record here, um, I was in that, that 28-year-old year in Corpus Christi. Um, so I had my contract. I had a beautiful apartment right on, on Padre Island on the beach. Two-bedroom apartment because I had a bunch of people coming. I had my dad coming down for the year. I had my older brother coming. I had my um, wife, Sarah, which we weren't married yet for a month. So I had my contract, a two-bedroom apartment. And um front office lady calls me and tells me, we got this rookie coming in. He's going to stay with you. And I'm like, no, look in the contract. We get in a little bit of a fight, and I'm like, it's my own place. So they're like, well, I'll just be temporary. I'm like, all right. So right off the bat, you know, the hair on my neck's kind of standing up. I'm like, who's this fucking guy? And, um, you know, you'll have to talk to Shazi about it at some point. But um, So it's this kid who, Shazi's, I'm 28, eight-year veteran, and I think he's 21 or whatever, just out of BC League and maybe uh, Niagara University or whatever that didn't work out for him. Big guy, but he's from the same neck of the woods I'm from. You yep. know, he's from uh, the great, greater Vancouver area. So we get talking, and I'm like, pretty good guy. Pretty good guy here. So being in Shazi, we became pretty good friends. And unfortunately for Shazi, he's a tough guy, big guy. He's a hockey player, though, too, and he can hold his own. Um, I would get... This is kind of funny. I'm sure everyone will find this highly entertaining. So it's the first time this ever happened to me, but um, I would be on the bench in Danbury, and the equipment manager, Tommy Tebow and Pompasolo, he would bring me a flip phone, another one of those Motorola flip phones, on the bench. I would say, while the game's going on, I'm like, Tebow, I can't take the phone. He's like, take the fucking phone, look up. I look up to the 
owner's box, there's Jimmy standing on the rail, crossed away from our bench, had him in a phone in his hand, waving it around. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, what's up, boss? He's like, number two goes down now. I'm like, all right. I look. Guess who's wearing number two, I think it was. Chris uh-huh. Shaw. Shawzy. I'm like, oh, my God. I almost kind of feel sick to my stomach. But what has to be done has to be done, right? So I go out there. I give Shazi the heads up. He's in not very happy about the situation. Um, well, we dropped the gloves. We fly at it. I think Shazi stepped on a banana peel or something. <laughs> but um, down he goes. So then this started being more and more happening, the phone call on the bench, right? Oh, another time I get the phone call. I forget. I think he said 22 goes down. It's a draw in the neutral zone, so just underneath Jimmy's side of the ice, across from the benches. And uh, so I tell this guy, hey, bud, this puck drops. We're going at it. He's like, fuck you. I'm not fighting you. I'm like, no, you don't have any choice here. You see the man? You know the man up there? I point up. He's like, yeah. I'm like, comes from him. The guy's like, no, man. I'm like, yep. Get ready. The puck's going to drop. So I back off a bit. I'm watching to see where the puck drops. Puck hasn't dropped yet. This guy drops his gloves and just starts firing them off my face. Then I'm like, yep, I deserve that. Wasn't wasn't aware. Wasn't watching him, right? I'm waiting for the puck to drop. So I ate about three or four. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but I can't. <laughs> I was like, Fuck, that's my bad. I should have been ready for that. And I, and, uh, he wasn't. He was a middleweight fighter. He wasn't a heavyweight. But um, well, we flew at it. I think I caught him with a pretty good one. Down he went, over and done. But very good story because I ate about ate a few there again. <laughs> I'm, I'm just loving the phone call, the bench, and getting the getting the word out. That's tremendous. Uh, yeah. How. I, I know you briefly played with Morasti. Uh, he was there in, in yeah. that, the second year there, but I think he, I believe he didn't get along with Gillis and he, he bolted to the Quebec league, but, uh, yeah. How, yeah, so uh, came at the end of the, he came at the end of the first year and then came back at the yeah. start of the second year. Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking, but, man, Morasti and winger on the wings. That's just tremendous. Yeah. That's tremendous right there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's good stuff. But me and John always stayed in touch and to this day, I still talk to him. You should actually have him on. Well, I don't it, know if you talked to him. But. It's coming. Yeah, I know John. So, you got him. Um, you should. You know, you got Chris Shaw, yep. another good friend of mine that I own New Angle Hockey with, and is right as a warrior himself is Brian Hallway. Yeah, not only a major leaguer but a minor leaguer and a, a European elite league legend. Equal, the, uh, sh- the sheriff of Pilsen. You got to watch <laughs> that clip on YouTube and watch this guy. And he plays a mean guitar, man. Real okay. So, yeah, like he would do it in Europe. They would have him the guitar. He'd go on the ice in front of eight thousand people, and you know, it was one of his favorite songs is "Sweet Home Alabama." But also a tough man in his own right, too. Well, I'll definitely have to. Uh, we have to use. Uh, I'm gonna have to use my winger contacts here, and uh, yeah, and get these characters sure. on. But uh, yeah, I've already, I've already set it up for you. I've already broken the ice. They're, they're all in. Yeah, well, I talked to Shawzy on Twitter a few times, so yeah, we we'll definitely yeah. Uh, get something going. But uh, yeah. so. Well, Danbury's so now, so you go from one one circus to now the Quebec League. We'll wrap up your career here. You played the two seasons in Sherbrooke. All right, guys, there you go. 
That is the Danbury Trashers portion of my Brad Wingfeld interview from November of 2019. Again, please go back and, ch- and listen to the entire interview, episode four. Uh, it, it's, like I said, Brad's tremendous guest, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, it is really cool that the Danbury Trashers is sort of back in vogue for a little while, and then people are remembering the good old days, and uh, that's it's really cool. So I want to thank everybody again for tuning in, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?